Our text for this morning's message will be in Romans chapter 8. We'll be looking at verse 18 through verse 27. Romans chapter 8. We'll be beginning in verse 18 and going down through verse 27, learning some wonderful truths this morning. And I pray the Spirit would open our hearts and our minds as Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes here things for our learning. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Just bow our heads if you would. Father, I ask now that you would... Remove the distractions, remove the things that would draw our minds and our hearts away. Help us to be open and ready to hear Your Word and take it to our very being by Your Spirit, Lord, and do the work that only You can do. I ask for grace and for strength to say what is needed, and that You might speak through me this morning, and Your voice would be heard louder than mine. I thank You for all that You've done. I thank You for all that You will do this morning, Lord. Give all the praise and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever watched an infomercial? How many have? You know, back when, in the days before you could pause TV and then fast forward through the commercials. (laughs) I don't think Cynthia's ever watched a commercial in the past five years or so. Always pause it, come back and and fast forward it on the recording. I don't know if you've seen an infomercial. I've seen my fair share. And if you haven't, you're missing out. I'll tell you right now, you're missing out on some things. You're missing out on things like the Snuggie or the armchair remote control organizer that holds everything in its perfect place for your, your recliner or the tech light. You can run it over and you can freeze it and you can boil it and it stays on. Seemingly forever. And don't get me started on Flex Seal. I don't know if you've seen any of those, but that stuff's amazing. You can build a boat out of a screen door with Flex Seal. It's amazing what you can see on TV. And if you, even if you haven't watched any, you probably know the tagline that comes along with it, right? I don't know if it's the OxyClean guy that made it famous, but we all know it. But wait, there's more. 
You've heard it. You've probably said it. We poke fun at it, right? Use it for different situations. But I don't think it's all that bad because we really like when we get more, don't we? You want to hear that thing if you're buying the product. Usually you have to pay shipping and handling just twice the cost of the item, but we still want to hear that. We like when we get more. We like when there's something extra or unexpected. All joking aside, and in a much more serious and a much more joyful tone, the message of the Bible to those who follow Christ is exactly that. There's more coming. There's much more than all of this. More than our experience here. And listen, sometimes it can be really good. Sometimes it can be really bad. But there's, there's more than that for us in Christ. There's something more coming. And it's been promised to us by God. We have assurance of these promises through the Holy Spirit. And we are to be longing for this day to come. It's what I want to talk about this morning. Last time when we were in Romans, we talked about adoption and what it means to be His child and the wonder of being His child and the amazing relationship that we can have with Him as our Father right here and right now. We have assurance that we are His child. We have communion with Christ as we we follow the Spirit's leading and follow truth and become into a covenant relationship with Him. It even says we can follow Him and know the joy to the point of being joint heirs with Christ. God leads. God does the work in us. God places that in position. And with all of that right now, He gives us promises for forever, for eternity. And that's what Paul is moving here to in Romans chapter 8. Listen, Romans 8 is an awesome book. An awesome chapter. I don't know of many other chapters that kind of hold up to the same level as as the depth on which Paul is talking here. It's packed full. And part of why it's so awesome is it builds. It starts out and it just builds and it, it goes up and up and up. I can, it's almost if, as if we're sitting on a, in on a sermon of Paul. If you remember way back when we first started our study, it's been about a year ago or so, you remember that this is a dictated book. Paul is speaking and somebody's writing down everything that he says. I imagine as it comes to, to Romans chapter 8, Paul's probably pacing about the room and his, his voice is kind of raising as he's getting excited and getting filled with passion as, as the Spirit is leading him in this line of thinking. It's building. The past several verses we looked at are pointing to and directing our attention to our relationship right now with God. Right now. He's already reminded reminded us of all that God has done in chapters 1 through 5. But in 6, 7, and 8, He's drawing our hearts and our minds to the the relationship that that we have with God right now. We are alive in Christ. Right here and right now, I am alive in Christ. I am freed from the condemnation of sin. I am freed from the power of sin over my life. And if you know Jesus today, and if you are following Him, that's true of you as well. The Bible says as we follow, we become a living stone. You are a living stone, part of His house that He Himself dwells in. That's right here and right now. 
We can be and we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Our lives, our hearts, our minds are to be His working ground, His home, if you will. We are to be bearing fruit as we walk in that relationship. We can see God work in our life right here and right now. That's a vibrant, peaceful, joyful walk and life with Him that I can have each and every day of my life. We have that right now. Even through trials, even through hard times, it is such a blessing. But with our text, Paul switches gears a little bit. Now what he does is he points up. He points out. He points beyond right now. If you think all of this is amazing that God has done for us, If you think the wonder of salvation and new birth is amazing, if you think the the peace and the joy that we have as we walk with the Spirit and be filled with Him and, and have Him walk through us, walk with us through our everyday of life, just wait. There's more. There's something more coming than all that we have right now. There's something beyond the veil of this life. There's promises made by God that will be kept by God to us. You can see it start in verse 18. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be, I like that phrase, not might be, not probably will be, which shall be revealed in us. There is glory coming. Something more. More even than all of the sufferings that we could ever go through. You ever think about that? This glory that is coming is better than, is worth more than any hard time that we could face in this life. I think of all that have lost their lives for the cause of Christ. All of those that have lost their families. All of those that have lost their possessions. Because Jesus is worth more to them. The promise of this glory is better than anything that they might go through. I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Keep your finger here, we'll be back. But Hebrews chapter 10, I want you to notice some verses there. Hebrews 10 and verse 32. Hebrews 10 and 32. The writer says this, But call to remembrance the former days, in which after ye were illuminated, they came to God, they they understood His plan and His purpose, After ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. A great fight of afflictions. Partly, whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, there was persecution that people would cause people to stare and single them out and become a gazing stock for society. So it happened to them. What does it say in the last part of verse 33? And partly while you became companions of them that were so used. Not only were these happening, these things happening to them personally, but they were willing to stand by those who were being persecuted and say, these are my brothers and sisters. I am a Christian. I follow Christ. And so they suffered persecution. Verse 34, For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully, took joyfully, the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. 
my house, my cars, anything I have, take it. I've got something better waiting. That stuff doesn't mean anything. I have a better and an enduring substance that's waiting for me. You want to take my life? Take it. It just sends me home. That's the attitude he's talking about here. A great fight of afflictions. And they took joyfully, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Verse 35, Cast not therefore away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. You see, this fits right into what, with what Paul is saying in verse 18. The glory which is going to be revealed in us is not even worthy to be compared with any suffering that we can face. There's something more coming. Something that is greater. And in fact, Paul's going to tell us we need to eagerly wait for it. We are to be marked by our waiting for something more. So back to Romans chapter 8. And as we get into this, Paul's going to use an interesting example to to kind of show us this line of thinking and and this, this attitude. You see it in verse 19, Romans 8 and 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature, that's creation, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now there's a lot of views, I don't know if this comes across your radar, there's a lot of views on what this term creation means. I believe he's just using a simple example. He's talking about trees and plants and animals and all of the creation that we could see. It's just an example. Now, now let me interject here and make something pretty clear. It's an example. Plants don't have feelings. You don't talk to trees, okay? I don't, I don't know if you didn't know that, but you don't. Here's why I say this. People are going nuts. Earlier this week, Union Seminary in New York had a chapel service where students confessed to plants. There's pictures shown where the, the stage is filled with potted plants and students were to come and confess their sins and repent of their sins against the environment, specifically when it came to their own role in climate change. And the seminary, seminary this, this is a seminary that was founded like in 1834, talking about going off the mark. This seminary defended itself by saying, this is something we all ought to do. What have you confessed to your plants today? How have you repented of your role in climate change? It also said, theologies, which is what we believe about the Bible. It's a big word that means what we believe about God. Theologies that encourage humans to dominate and master the earth have played a deplorable role in the environment. We must birth new theology. That's insane. That's ridiculous. That's not higher thinking. That's idolatry. As in Romans chapter 1, they worship the creature more than the Creator. That's ludicrous. By the way, God told us to subdue the earth. 
to have dominion over every living thing. Now, we need to be good stewards, but we don't worship it. Listen, this religion, because that's what it is, this religion of environmentalism, this religion of climate change is getting really old. We just had a climate strike in downtown L.A. The government has to change these things. Canadian youth are signing a petition to say they will not have kids until the government does something about climate change to ensure a safe future. So I'm not going to have kids until somebody fixes this. That crazy Cortez lady said that Miami won't be here in two years because the climate's so bad. Does anybody listen to what they're saying? Do they even know what they're saying? Stop already with it. This same religion put a big, huge article in Time magazine in 1989 that said within five to ten years the polar ice caps would melt, the coastal states would be underwater, and life would be changed as we know it. That was 30 years ago, and not much has changed. And you know what? There were probably people who got so freaked out they bought oceanfront property in Arizona. People hear this and they believe and they go crazy. Let me me just set you straight on climate change. It's a lie. It's a lie. It is not real. You know how I know? The rainbow in the sky. You know what that's a promise of? God says, I'm not going to flood the earth and destroy all living things. So the polar ice caps aren't going to melt and life as we know it is not going to stop. You know what else a promise that comes with that very rainbow? Let me read you Genesis 8.22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. It's not going to stop. It's going to keep going. I'll rest on the promises of God. Who do we think we are to upset that? God's got it under control. So, don't get any crazy ideas with the example that Paul's going to use. He's using an example, a metaphor, an allegory, okay? It's sad. We live in a day and age that I have to say that. Verse 19. For the earnest expectation of creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. He uses this word, earnest expectation. And the, 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 the word that he used has the idea of shooting your head forward in anticipation of something. Like when you're sitting at the Dodgers game. I remember being at the Dodgers game. Every time Bellinger would come to the plate, everybody leaned forward. What's going to happen? Is he going to hit a, I don't know, I think he was in the mid-30s then on his home runs. Is he going to hit number 35 or number 36? And people are just leaning out, waiting to see. It's the idea that Paul's using here. Or like when you're waiting for your luggage at the airport and looking down and, is that mine? Is that mine? There's an earnest expectation. We're waiting and we're longing for something. It says they're waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. That's the something more that we're going to explain in a little bit. And one more term before we dig in, and that's the term groan uses it three times in the Scripture, which is kind of convenient for me because I, I like three-point sermons. He uses it three times, and it's pretty important each time that he uses it. When he uses the word groan, he means to, be, it means to sigh, 
to be in straits, like you're confined and you want to get out, like when you're sitting at the DMV (laughs) and your number's 200 numbers away and you want to get out of there, you sigh. Maybe even you're sighing right now. You want to be done with this message. It illustrates longing for something more. When is this going to be over? Okay? So let's follow Paul's example here and let's keep on moving. Point number one, groanings of creation. I want you to notice this morning the groanings of creation. Verse 19, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. You see, when Adam fell in sin, it wasn't just mankind that felt the effects of sin. All of creation did. All of the natural world, all of the animal kingdom was subjected to the curse as well. God cursed the ground for Adam's sake because of Adam's sin. Genesis 3, God says, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. He's talking to Adam. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. So the ground now is cursed. The earth is cursed. It's made subject to this vanity, this futility. Now listen, the world is beautiful, isn't it? The world is beautiful. The animal kingdom is amazing. Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 6, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I can get the brightest, most beautiful tie or shirt. It's not going to match the simple color of a flower. It's just this, this beauty that's in nature that's put there by God. Flowers are beautiful. I love when the, the lawn is nice and cut and green and you just got that contrast with the nice green grass and the, the beautiful flowers in a, in a front yard. But the Bible also says this, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth. Death still comes to all life. It's futility. How many living things died in the flood? How many lambs and oxen and goats were killed for sacrifice? How many times has nature renewed itself each spring? To be vibrant in the summer and then yet only to die and fall in winter. There's a futility to it. All of it ordained by God, but it's made subject. Creation was made subject to the curse to show the effects of sin. Now let me say, even in its subjected fallen state, it's beautiful enough to be a witness of God. Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God. Romans chapter 1 says we can look around and see God's image and God's existence everywhere. But to us who believe, not to the world, the world wants to talk to trees and try to be one with nature. Go try to hug a lion, see how that works. It's not going to happen. But to us who believe and we see God in all of it, we can see that it's beautiful, but it's, it's stunted. I mean, it's, it's like it's made for something more. And so Paul can look and say, look, you can see it. It's it's longing to be free from this curse. And that will come. 
Verse 21 says, The creation, the creature, the creation itself shall be delivered from the bondage of the corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. In Matthew chapter 19, we don't have time to go there, Jesus talks about a regeneration. A time when this literal earth will be, the curse will be lifted from it and it will return to its Eden-like state, its original intention. Isaiah chapter 11 gives us a little uh, peek into that. It says, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. That's not a child, that's a goat. (laughs) The leopard shall lie down with the baby goat and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, and their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play in the hole of the asp. The weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy at all in my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's a day coming when all of creation will be delivered from the bondage of sin and be just as God has intended it. And Paul says, just look around. It's as if it's longing for that day to come. Because the glory of that day is so great. Now that's not the main focus. Creation is not the main focus. That's secondary. Paul is using an example to say, this day is so important. Even all of creation is waiting for it. Even all of creation is longing for it. But that... The creation is secondary. The main focus even of creation's longing is us. The manifestation of the sons of God. He's talking about His adopted ones, His faithful bride, His church. We are longing for something more. Something more that is coming for us. That glory that is greater than everything. So I want you to notice secondly this morning, the groanings of His chosen. Verse 23. And not only they... Not only creation, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, we do with patience wait for it. What is it that we're so longing for? What does he say there? Adoption. We're waiting for adoption. Now, you might say, hold on a second, didn't that already happen? Isn't that what salvation's about? And being born into his family and we're supposed to follow the Spirit as he leads us in baptism and church and all that? And knowing the sweet fellowship we have with him as Father as we live in this life? Yes. But wait, there's more. There's more to be done in us. All of that, he says, is a first fruit. Do you see that there in verse 23? We have the first fruits of the Spirit. That's an example. So if you have apple trees or you have cherry trees or you have corn or you have wheat, the first plants that begin to to bring forth fruit, you go out and you inspect the fruit because that's an example of what's coming. We've been given an example of what's to come. I want you to understand, church, this morning. The closest to God, the most comforted by God, the most at peace, the greatest joy, the most spirit-filled you have ever felt or will ever feel in this life 
is just a taste. It's just an example of what you will have with God for eternity. The goodness of God we feel now is a small taste of the greater glory. It's something more that is coming. Our final and our full deliverance, our full salvation is yet to come. And it tells us what that is in the end of verse 23. The redemption of our body. What is that? Listen to what the Bible says. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And all the tribes of the earth shall mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and glory. And He shall send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together His elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. But it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like we shall see Him as He is. Listen, I want you to know this morning, if you know Jesus as your Savior and you've placed your faith in Him for forgiveness of sins, you are saved spiritually. You are made a new person, a new creation. You are freed from the eternal condemnation of sin. Delivered from that. Your home is in heaven. You did nothing to earn that. You do nothing to take it away. If you are following this morning the Spirit and you're being obedient to Scripture and you're living your life in the right place and in the right way and allowing Him to lead, the Bible tells us your life or your soul is saved. It's delivered from the power of sin over you. This promise is that when Christ comes, we will be saved we will be delivered from the presence of sin. I'm saved spiritually. I've got a new life and there is the Spirit working so that I don't have the power of sin. But every day that I walk through this life, sin is there. It's in me. It's in my heart, right? And it's a constant battle that we have to face. Sin is in the world. Sin is in my own heart. Sin is in the hearts of others. There's a day coming when we will be delivered from the very presence of sin. There's a day coming when we will be delivered from this body, this sinful, failing flesh, from the temptation that gets us off track, from the trials and tribulations of this life. We will be freed from that, set at liberty from that. All of it gone, and we will finally be with Jesus. Nothing more in the way.
will be changed, glorified with a perfect sinless body. Never to age, never to decay, never to fail. We will be finally and fully delivered. That day comes when Jesus returns. See, not only is He coming back to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords, He's coming back for us. He's coming back for His church. He told us He would. He's made a promise to us. John chapter 14, In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Oh, don't you long for that this morning? Don't you want to be with Christ forever? To be finally freed from all of the sin and the things that drag us down and get us so off track and mess life up? I can understand what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. I can't wait till I put on my heavenly body. Get rid of this failing tabernacle, this flesh. I want to be with Him forever. There's a day coming when all the struggles will cease. When there will be nothing more in between me and the Savior. No more weariness. No more failings. Just Him and you. And that day when our faith shall be made sight. This is our hope. That's what Paul says. This is our hope. This is our assurance. It's not something like, oh, I hope I get this for Christmas or I hope I win the lottery. That's not hope. That's chance. The hope the Bible speaks of is assurance. I know it's coming. I am assured of it. Why? Because I have the first fruits of the Spirit. Remember that phrase? You know in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. You can look at Jesus and know what's coming. I'm going to be raised from the dead. I'm going to receive a new body because Christ Himself raised from the dead. And if we ever doubt, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. The relationship with God now through the Spirit is a promise of what's coming. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 1. The Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. That word is probably a little bit past our, my younger generation. Anybody ever heard of earnest money? Nobody? It's a down payment. You're going to buy a house? You put earnest money down, down payment. Because if you put money down, you're going to come back and complete the transaction. The Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. This is Ephesians 1. Until the redemption of the purchased possession. You understand that? The Holy Spirit is a down payment on the promise of the glory to come. It's a done deal. It's a hope. This is coming, and we have the Holy Spirit to assure us that this day is coming for us. What a blessed hope. Verse 24 says, For we are saved by hope, in hope. We are saved in hope. We are saved by grace through faith. But there's a hope that comes with salvation. But hope that is seen is not hope, and we really like that, don't we? Lord, I just want to see everything I'm going to have to walk through so I can decide whether or not I want to do it. Why don't you just show me now everything that's coming so 
you know, our flesh likes that, right? <laughs> That's not hope. Hope is trusting God through the darkness, through the hard times, when we can't see but one step in, in front of the other. We are saved for a hope of something more that is coming. Hope that is seen is not hope, for what a man seeth, what does he hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. See, we're waiting for something I can't see. I can't see Jesus. I've never seen Jesus, but I love Him. In fact, I rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, even though I haven't seen Him, as First Peter says. We haven't seen Him, but He's the source of everything. So, we walk by faith, not by sight, right? I believe every word of every promise that the Bible tells me. And I walk and I live in faith, hoping for, assured of, the something more that is coming for me. And so we wait for it patiently. Now that word patience means endurance. Sometimes we have to endure. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes everything's overwhelming. Sometimes life stinks. And it's hard to see Christ. Let's be real. Anybody can walk around here saying everything's 100% good all the time. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes we royally mess up. Or others royally mess up and it affects us. This hope and this joy that we talk about and even this relationship with the Spirit, it sounds so good. And like we know it up here, right? But there's just times when it seems so far off. In the trials and the pain and the situations, sometimes that's too much of our reality and it seems just like too much for me to take. And so we have to Patiently wait for some things. Listen, God knows. I want you to know that this morning. God knows this. And that is exactly why He gave us His Spirit. The Comforter. The Helper. It's not just to help us know the Bible. It's to help us through life. That's why we have Him. That's how He works in our hearts. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide and help and strengthen from the moment we first believe to the moment we see Him face to face. That brings me to my last point. Point number three, the groanings of the Holy Spirit. The groanings of the Holy Spirit. You may hear that and say, what on earth does that mean? Look in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You see, the groanings of the Holy Spirit are for you. For you. On your behalf. We all have infirmities, don't we? We all have weaknesses. We all have trials and temptations. There's hard times. Sometimes there's dull hearts, hard hearts. And we need help. 
Listen, we need help even when we don't know we need it. We need help. Because we can't do this alone. I want you to know right now, brother, I want you to know right now, sister, you won't. You won't do this alone. God knows. And He has given His Spirit to help us. See, God knows our hearts. In verse 27, it says, He that searcheth the hearts. That's talking about the Father. God knows everything that is within us. All of the struggles that we face. All of the joys. All of the the faith that we have. And sometimes the lack of faith. He knows all of it. He, He searches our hearts. And He also knows what is the mind of the Spirit. See, He listens to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You see, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit is pleading on your behalf. He's taking your heart straight to God. The prayers that we can speak clearly and the prayers that we can't. I don't know if you've ever been at the place in your life when you can't find the words to pray. I have. Maybe it's the burden. Maybe it's the trial. Maybe it's the emotion. Maybe it's the pain. Whatever it is, it's just too much for words and you simply just feel it before God. Perhaps you weep. Listen, that's okay. Do that. Do that. Sometimes you find your place, yourself at the place where your prayer is just simply opening your heart to God. I found myself doing this very thing, just simply opening my arms and I've got no words. God knows. He knows what you're saying. The Spirit knows exactly what you're saying. And He takes those burdens... He takes that emotion, He takes that pain, whatever it may be, and with groanings which cannot be spoken or even understood, He takes it straight to God and speaks on your behalf. You know, sometimes there's even times we don't know what to ask for. The Spirit knows. And according to the will of God, He asks for those things for us. He knows and He communicates our exact need to God. You don't ever have to worry about saying the right words for prayer. Just pray with your heart. Listen, this even applies to salvation. It's the surrender. It's the belief. It's the trust in the heart that saves us. However that comes out, it comes out. I think God is going to understand what you say. Not only just for salvation. You don't have to pray a right prayer, a certain prayer to be saved. You trust and you believe in your heart, right? And you confess with your mouth. However that comes out, Lord help, Lord save. Or maybe there are no words at that time. Maybe the words are just simply in your heart and your thoughts. You pray with your heart, the Holy Spirit understands. And when trials come up later, we just pray with our heart. Take it to the Lord in prayer and He'll understand. And then you know what He'll do? He'll help. Verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. That word helpeth, it means to lay hold of together. You know, God might not remove the burden. 
he might not remove the trial. There might be some things we have to go through and grow through. But rest assured, he will come alongside you. He'll take hold of the burden, the heaviest part of the burden, and he'll lift it. He'll give light to the path ahead. Maybe it's for one step at a time, but he'll show you where you need to go. He'll calm our troubled minds and our troubled hearts. He'll give us joy and peace and remind us, listen, my son, listen, my daughter, I know it's hard, but keep going. There is so much more that is waiting. I'll be your strength. I'll help you along. Keep going because it won't be all that long. And when we get there, it will be worth it all. It will be worth it all just to see His face when He claims us for His own. And then 10 million years to sing Amazing Grace, it will be worth it all when we get home. He's there to help us. And let me just plant this seed for next week's message. The Holy Spirit is bringing us home. He's bringing us to that something more, even through ways that we don't understand. Because verse 28 says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So even when we don't understand, all things are working for us. All things. There's so much more coming, isn't there? There is a blessed hope, a blessed assurance that we stand on. And the more that we understand and the more that that grips our hearts, the more that we long for it and the closer that we cling to God right now. If you think He's good now and all that He's done for you, just wait. There's so much more. Are you eagerly expecting that today? Are you waiting and longing to see Jesus? You know, it's it's kind of hard for somebody who's younger to understand. I remember hearing sermons like this and thinking, well, yeah, I I, I want to see Him, but I want to get married too. (laughs) I want to have kids, and this body's not all that bad, is it? I feel pretty healthy and... Some, some things you appreciate more with age. I'm not old. I'm getting there. <laughs> but I begin to see my body failing. You know what's the most bothersome to me? Sin. The sin in my own heart. I am so sick and tired of it. I'm sick of my heart wandering away. I'm sick of my mind being drawn. I'm sick of it and I want it gone. And part of the glory of that day is I won't have to deal with it anymore. It'll be me and Jesus and millions of other saints who feel the same way, so happy to be free, praising Christ and having sweet fellowship with Him. The older I get, the sweeter it sounds. Are you longing for that? You need to be saved first because if you're not saved, you don't know Jesus as Savior. This has nothing to do with you. Zero. Your eternity lies in hell and judgment. 
pain and torment, which God wants to save you from. That's why He sent Christ. So if you're not saved this morning, I pray that you would turn your heart to Him in faith. Trust Him. You need to have your life in the right place too. You need to be baptized. You need to be an active part of the local church. It's what the commands of Scripture are. We need to be living right for Him. If you need help with either one of those, pray to Him with your heart. Ask Him to lead and ask Him to guide and He will help. Maybe you're having a hard time right now and you need help. Well, the, Spirit, or the Bible says the Spirit helps our infirmities. He'll lift the burden. He'll give peace. He'll give joy. He'll help you step by step. Just pray to Him with your heart. Focus your hope on what's coming. And it's going to help you through each day. Maybe you're at a place where you just don't care. (laughs) Whatever it is, maybe we need to pray. Let the Spirit work on our heart. There is so much more that's coming. There is so much more that's coming, more than the struggle, more than the pain, more than the loss, more than the heartache, more even than our greatest joy. That glory of finally being with Him in His presence is not worthy to be compared with anything else in this world. So take strength, hold fast, because there's more coming. He's going to come and take us to Himself in that full and final deliverance. And until then... We patiently wait. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these wonderful promises that you've given us. I ask that you would, by your Spirit, just make them real to us. It's easy to get focused on other things and distracted, Lord. You you see how our minds and our hearts can wander. So I ask just now, by your Spirit, you would remove those and see us, help us to see the, the glory and the hope of finally being with you. Lord, if there's some who are struggling this morning, I ask that you would come alongside them, help them. Help me in my own infirmities and my own weaknesses. Help us with the burdens and the pain and the trials, Lord. If there be any here that do not know you, Lord, please draw them by your Spirit to you that they might turn away from sin and the world and everything else and place their full faith in you. Work as you see fit, Lord, and do the work in us that needs to be done. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.